Welcome to the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. I'm here this evening with Zach. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. How's everything with you? Good. We also have Matt Williams, host of the Turn 2 Podcast and writer for Fantasy Pros on with us this evening. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me on, everybody. Yeah, thank you for hopping on with us. Uh, We're going to break down the Cleveland Indians team tonight. Uh, Just to get our listeners to get a little insight on you, how did you get started in the business? And just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, getting started. Uh, well, basically, I just grew up loving baseball like everyone else. It was like the best way to bond with my dad. I just wanted to kind of get involved in fantasy sports because I have like a mathematics background. And I actually, I mean, I'm at Fantasy Pros writing now. Uh, I actually got started there, too, um, when I first uh, got into the industry. It was basically on their news desk, which anyone doesn't know what that is. Uh, you go there and you write the little short blurbs where, you know, if there's ever a tiny news update uh, for a player, uh, for a team, you just uh, kind of write up a short couple of sentences and then the fantasy impact underneath. Kind of like the things you see on Roto World and everywhere, mm. just those short blurbs. I wanted to do the Mets because they're my favorite team, but they are a lot of people's favorite team. So I ended up getting the Marlins. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I got obsessed with that. I ended up taking on like, I think, 13 or 14 teams at a time. And uh, then I just kind of parlayed that into like kind of going, uh, I think, Roto Baller and fake teams are uh, a couple of places I started writing content for. And then I kind of just went on on my own um, for football, actually, for a while. But because, uh, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of interest in my analysis. But baseball is definitely my first passion, my biggest love. And I just kind of decided to go back into it like, you know, full force. So I am one pretty much 100 percent baseball at this point. Yeah, I hope we get a season roll in here. I was gonna ask you too that you are you you set up a like a sim league that a lot of people on Twitter and in the industry are looking at. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got that rolling and where you're at and what your team's looking like? Sure, it's it's called the MLB Remix League. We even started a Twitter page because there was so much interest. Uh, just at MLB Remix, uh, and what we did was it's not fantasy baseball. It's actually just real normal baseball. It's it, and the uh, the original idea behind it was. Let's just wipe the slate clean of all of Major League Baseball. All 30 teams are still there, but the rosters are gone. Uh, We brought in uh, baseball and fantasy experts who run every single team. Some are being co-owned. But the only thing that matters is the hat because we are redrafting from scratch. But again, not fantasy. So defense matters. Bullpen matters. Everything like that. So we actually did a a 26-man regular roster that you'll be playing in the majors with. And instead of a 40-man roster, we extended it to 50 because we don't want to redraft all of the minors that literally would take years. We're like... I don't know, three weeks in and we're still sitting around like 32 or 38, something around there. Um, So we're almost done the draft, but it's uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting because you have to you have to really if you're not a prospect guy, you really have to dive deep because we are doing this. uh, We got partnered up with uh, OOTP for anyone doesn't know what that is out out of the park baseball, baseball simulation. Uh, If you look it up, it's a fantastic game. Uh, They are providing us with a lot of codes to give away, too. So if you follow the Sim League, we'll be giving away codes constantly so you can give it a try. Uh, I got the New York Mets because, you know, I started the league, so I got first dibs. I got my my favorite team. Uh, so yeah, my team's going pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of, I, I started out with Christian Yellick as the fourth overall pick. Couldn't really go wrong there. Uh, got Anthony Rizzo in the second. And then after that, you know, it's just been, uh, trying to get defense up the middle and uh, a bunch of young, uh, young pitching. So 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because uh, we have some people that are obsessed with the game that are kind of like know how to tweak and go around it and who performs well. And then we have some people who have never played it before that are kind of drafting straight to the heart of the uh, of the the process, which is just drafted as if you were drafting for real life. But, you know, during these uh, during like, the you know, a lot of downtime now, there's not real baseball. It's it's been real fun because. You know, that's the reason a lot of people love baseball, right? Because it's fun to talk about. You know, you can compare eras, like who would perform well in what era, uh, who's better now. And in, 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 there's lots of data you can make your case. Like if your team doesn't make the playoffs, you may tune out a little bit. But the day after the World Series, you're like, all right, you know, back in because the, the owners meetings are in a couple, you know, in a week. And then you got the GM or the uh, the winter meetings. So it's a. Uh, it's pretty cool. So it's just, it's, it's like a giant group of people talking baseball and ever there's a lot of outside interest. So we're talking with a lot of people. We actually had someone who's running the Padres get retweeted by the Padres themselves uh, hmm. tonight, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so they're like rooting for their fake version of themselves. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, that does sound pretty awesome. Uh, Zach, I know you're in it as well. How is your team looking so far? Yeah, uh, this is definitely unlike any draft I've ever done before. Um, so yeah, props to Matt for putting this together. It's been a lot of fun so far. Um, I'm the Tampa Bay Rays, so I'm starting that team from scratch. And um, I just started early with offense with Rendon Alonzo and Loriano. Um, grabbed some arms like Frankie Montas, Matthew Boyd. Uh, beefed up my bullpen with some strong arms, so I'm excited to see how this goes. Uh, there's a lot of teams taking different approaches here. You got you can take the the veteran approach, take some more established veterans who maybe are kind of on the tail end of their career, but might give you another couple productive years. Or you have some teams who are kind of maybe taking some prospects, uh, some A ball, some double A ball prospects, and it's hard to tell how these types of players are going to translate to the game. So we'll see how it goes in this three-year sim, but it's definitely been a lot of fun so far. It's been a very long draft, probably the longest draft I've ever been a part of, ever will be a part of. <laughs> uh, we're drafting 50 players here. and uh, But yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and yeah, looking forward to this simulation for sure. Very nice. Yeah, one team that actually has a pretty fun roster that we're going to be covering tonight, the Cleveland Indians. I'll start with you, Matt. What do you expect if we play baseball this year? What do you expect out of the Indians? I, they have a lot of interesting guys, right? I mean, Francisco Lindor, they're always threatening to, to send him away. Uh, so who knows if this will be his last season in Cleveland. Oscar Mercado is someone that I've always been on, like really high on, but he had a lot of flaws in his game. Jose Ramirez, we never kind of know uh, what to expect from him, if he's ever going to really put it together for a full year. But even if you get a half a year, it's obviously outstanding. So, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of is it kind of hangs on the balance of like if Fran Mel Reyes and Oscar Mercado can take that step forward. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the main their main thing is, I guess, the health of their pitching, because, <laughs> uh, you know, Mike Clevenger uh, had that knee issue when the season gets started back up. Um you know, we'll see. It was on his plant leg, so we'll see if that bothers him or not. Hopefully, he's just back to full strength. Carlos Carrasco, we're not really sure. Uh, and then Shane Bieber. Uh, you're either with him or you're not. Uh, you know, he's lousy fastball, a lot of great secondary stuff. You know, I'm not sure if he's elite. The realignment doesn't seem to be too kind to them. Uh, the uh, you know the three uh, when they did the uh, the three division, the central was brutal. Even if they are, even if they're in their normal division, you know they. Uh, they have a little bit of an uphill climb. They have a lot of talent, but with the Twins and even the White Sox in there, I think that they would have a 
they would have a hard time grabbing a wild card spot, which is obviously what they'd be going for, probably even the second wild card. So I think they'll just be one of, yeah, a handful of teams really going for it. But yeah, they their season can swing very different ways because they have so many players with variable outcomes on this team. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially with Jose Ramirez. I know with Justin Mason, they, our topic the other day when we had the Potaluza was who are your busts in fantasy baseball? And one of mine is Jose Ramirez. I mean, he was bad for a year. He was really bad. But, I mean, we forget that in twenty what 2018, he was a top five pick off almost every board. And, I mean, he could steal bags. But if he, doesn't, if he stops stealing, which it looked like he was a little bit, there isn't much value there. This is the thing with Jose Ramirez that is interesting. When I, I went in and I did a deep dive on him, he's one of the players I looked at. And there there seemed to be a couple of main differences. In 2018, he had a strong uh, first half and then a lousy second half. And then that lousy second half turned into a bad first half for 2019. Then he ended well in 2019. So he basically had two decent halves of baseball and then you know that bookend two really bad halves of baseball. So I kind of looked into like, what are the big differences and some things jump out like a batting average for balls in play and some things that don't necessarily make sense. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me was this launch angle, which a lot of people associate that with. If you want to have, you know, they think if you have a higher launch angle, you will be more successful, which couldn't be further from the truth. Launch angle is just the angle in which you're launching the ball. Uh, and there's also a thing called standard deviation of launch angle, which you want to make sure that you are launching the angle at a consistent pace. Otherwise, you end up being fluky and things go south. That's why Nick Castellanos is such a uh, a big doubles hitter because he's usually in the top of the league in uh, you know standard deviation of launch angle. So just going into last year, going into the first and second half, his uh, from his first half to his second half, his launch angle went down from 21.4 degrees to 16.2 which a lot of people would usually think that that would that would be bad for but it's not it's not the truth uh, if when some people go a uh, higher launch angle uh they just instead of hitting more fly balls which turn into home runs they just end up popping the ball up more and that is what happened for Jose Ramirez he goes uh he was up 5.2 degrees and his uh pop-up percentage went way up. He wasn't hitting the ball any harder, in fact. His, his barrel percentage uh, actually was 3% less when he was hitting the ball at a higher launch angle, and he was hitting the ball, fly ball, fly ball to line drive exit velocity, was uh, 93.7 in the second half when he dropped the um, the launch angle. It was only 90.4 in the first half. Uh, the interesting thing about that is it's the same exact problem that he had uh, in 2019 is or in 2018 as well. <laughs> in the first half of 2018, his launch angle was 17.5. Second half was 20.1. Remember, in 2018, he started out good and then fizzled out. Uh, same thing is uh, his flyby is flyby line drive x velocity 93.4 down to 91.2. So it's the pretty much the same issues which resulted in the same exact thing. Uh, so he had like a dominant start to 2018. Six months basically of chasing home runs, getting two under the ball, leading to less barrels, worse contact and less uh, velocity. And then at the end of last year, he kind of got back to where he was trying to hit more line drives and then line drives turn into home runs. So if you actually like kind of watch him hit, you can just tell that's the way it was going too. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see it, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Not too many people have that dramatic a different in some splits, but there's plenty of data to suggest that, that that is kind of what was at the root of it. So 
you know, all great hitters always say, I just look to hit line drives and then the home runs come. And that is the uh, the case for Jose Ramirez. So that is what I'm looking for uh, for him coming in here. You know, because um, so, even when he even when he performs poorly for half a year, 25, 25, like 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases seems like a floor, even with his long slumps. And, you know, I think there's plenty to see that uh, he could have a full season. You know, unfortunately, he won't have a full season this year. He's going to get what he gets. But I actually am uh, in on Jose Ramirez uh, for this year. Uh, You know, I was at least over a full season. I was very excited. I think he ends up being a first round pick value. Yeah, that's very interesting. I believe a guy, too, in Boston, Andrew Benintendi's kind of having the same problems. We had Shelly on one of our pods a while back. She said he was trying to bring the ball up to hit more home runs, and it kind of messed up his whole swing. Yeah, I the the my main issue with Ben Attendi is his uh, plate discipline has uh, been going the very, very wrong direction that you want to see out of a hitter. And that is something that, you know, he's young still, uh, only 25 years old. So we'll just have to see you know, where he goes from there. But I mean, his swinging strike percentage, wrong direction, contact percentage, wrong direction. He's swinging at more pitches. His O swing is uh, up, you know, chases outside of the strike zone. He's striking. He's just chasing more balls in general, but his actual contact for balls inside and outside of the the, uh, strike zone is down. So anything you look for, for improvement is going the opposite direction for this kid. So but that's why there, there's plenty of people that do scouting, and then there's people that you know are into numbers. And I am mainly a numbers guy, uh, and unfortunately, there's nothing there. Uh, but you know, that's not never the whole story. You know, tangible change, and then all of a sudden, a player is completely different. You know, we'll talk about Framil Reyes pretty soon, who has you know one of the lower launch angles of any power hitter. Now he's someone who could stand to loft the ball a little more. So could a guy like um, Yandy Diaz. Everyone's waiting for him to try to lift the ball, but. There's no data to suggest any of these guys are going to do it. We can only look at what would happen if they changed. And with Andrew Benintendi, just everything's heading the wrong direction for him. So he actually is a guy I'm completely out on. Okay. Uh, Zach, what do you think of this Cleveland Indians team and what they could do? Yeah. I mean, great stuff there from Matt with Jose Ramirez. Um, Obviously, a complete difference um, from the first and second half. We will see what type of player he really is. Um, I, I kind of agree with Matt in terms of I think the second half player is what we're going to expect to see from this year. But um, great stuff with the launch angle discussion there, Matt. I mean, a lot of these analytical departments for teams now, um, it, it seems like they're trying to push launch angle on these players. And it really does actually, in, in fact, change their swing and change their mechanics. And it does kind of hurt them sometimes, like it did with Jose Ramirez in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to lift the ball, like you just think, you say, you know what, let's get a little bit more of an uppercut swing. Let's try and lift the ball a little bit more. It'll result in more home runs. But that's not necessarily the case. It really can hurt the player and hurt their mechanics. And that does seem like that's what happened with Jose here. So hopefully he can get back to basics. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with line with line drives. His line drives were going over the fence. They're going in the gap for doubles. Um, that's what this team needs from him. So we'll see if he can get back to that type of player. Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's going to uh, return first round talent this year. I think he's definitely capable of it. He's going kind of late first, early second maybe right now in, in drafts. So definitely a great source of... Uh, 
I mean, this could be a five-category producer. He provides stolen bases, which is huge early on in drafts right now. But um, just looking at the rest of this team, I mean, this team, they, they really have some great pieces offensively. Me and Brent were talking earlier. A guy that I love on this team is Carlos Santana. He's always an underappreciated player. Always gets on base, knows how to take walks, uh, good plate discipline. And he had, he had a career year last year. And just went very unnoticed. So that's somebody that I'm targeting this year as well. But yeah, I mean, this pitching staff is really strong. If Clevenger does remain healthy and Shane Bieber, I mean, this team, they just, they know how to develop pitching. We've seen them over the years uh, with Kluber. They turned him into an ace. Clevenger is becoming an ace. Bieber is an ace. And they have some some young guys coming up in the system. Guys like Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali last year who are right now, they're not really slotted into the rotation, but I think that's more of a service time issue. I think they'll probably be the four and five, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, and then also, there's also some really good young bullpen pieces here as well. So this team, they are built uh, very strong. They have a bright future. It just It's going to be interesting to see what happens this year with the Frankie Lindor situation. Uh, he's got two more years left, including this year. So, um, yeah, two more years until he's a free agent. But I could definitely see this team unloaded. They do have some young shortstops in the minor league system who might be ready to go in two years. So if they can get some pieces, um, I think that might be a huge benefit to this organization. Um, I just kind of wish this was, was was like the remix league, Matt, where money really didn't matter and they could just re-sign this guy and he could be there forever. Um, same thing with like Mookie Betts, that type of situation. It's a shame to see these guys leave the, the ball clubs that brought them up and made them a superstar. But we'll see what happens with Lindor. But this team, they've got a ton of talent. They can definitely make some noise. And, and Matt mentioned also about the, uh, about the division realignment. I mean, this team is best suited for a battle in the AL Central where the Twins are really the only competition over there. With this new realignment, adding teams like the Cubs and the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Braves and the Reds, I mean, it's it's going to be a dogfight, and they uh, they might not be in the playoff picture. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, great team, and they are built for the future with their minor league system as well. I don't know how the lineup is going to go, because Roster Resource has Lindor leading off Mercado second, Santana, then Jose Ramirez, Reyes, Cesar Hernandez. In spring training, they were putting Cesar Hernandez towards the top of the lineup. From a fantasy perspective, I'd like to see Mercado there. Put Santana at the two uh, and then let Lindor bat third. You know, purely from you know a selfish standpoint, I Mercado, I think there's a lot of... A lot of people think that the, there's a chance he gets buried at the bottom of the lineup, which would kind of kill his value. Like there's a guys like Ahmed Rosario that can like have survived down there, but there no doubt would be much more valuable at the top. Oscar Mercado is someone I've, you know, I, I really have been trying to target a lot, especially with speed being at a premium. He's kind of like one of those last guys. Uh, what do you guys think of Mercado? Because I mean, last year he let all rookies in stolen bases and runs. Uh, he only had a 95 runs created plus, though, because he had a lot of flaws in his game. He had 15 home runs, which is a career high for him. His, his previous high was 13 in, in double A. But the main issue with him is and, – and he only had 11% high home run to fly ball ratio, so that all seems fine. But his average home run was only struck at 98.5 miles per hour, which for anyone who doesn't have a frame of reference for that, that was the second slowest in Major League Baseball. Uh, his his uh, home run traveled an average distance of just 385 feet, which is also the 13th shortest. So I think a lot of his home runs could turn into doubles this year. And if he's not hitting at the top of that lineup to kind of take advantage of uh, his speed, he 
is not someone that, I mean, he goes from being someone I think very valuable to someone borderline worthless. <laughs> uh, I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to call him worthless, but I mean, uh, if he's not hitting at that top, you know, you got, you got Lindor, you got Santana, Jose Ramirez, friend mill Caesar would be ahead of him. Domingo Santana would probably be ahead of him. And all of a sudden he's in the bottom with Greg Allen and Roberto Perez. So as far as like lineup making a difference, uh, yeah, Oscar Mercado, I'm very interested to see what they do with him because, uh, yeah, at the top, I love him at the bottom. He's undraftable. Yeah. I was going to say with Mercado with the home run power, he definitely was a benefactor of the juice ball of last season. But I think with Mercado, if he bats, like you said, in the top part of the lineup, you could be looking at like a Tommy fan type player with a 270 average close to eight, 800 OPS. But like you said, if he gets buried in that lineup, I don't know how much value he gives you. I mean, he could still give you stolen, cheap stolen bags and get some runs, but there ain't much else there. Yeah. I mean, he's still young. So, I mean, I could see him developing. Like, uh, I think I'm projected for like two over a full season, which we're not getting. I had him projected for 260 with 15 home runs and 25 stolen bases. And and this was at the time hoping that he would hit a top of the lineup. But I think there's a 20, I think there's 20 home run power, 30 stolen base potential there if he makes a few adjustments. But again, you can't bank on that, but yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. Hey, Carlos Santana, you were mentioning earlier how he had a breakout year. Hey, apparently, he only likes hitting in Cleveland and nowhere else. <laughs> this is his home, and this is where he wants to be. He doesn't like hitting in Philly for some odd reason. Might be the only person. <laughs> yeah, and he but must he... have told Seattle when he was up there that uh, there was no way he wanted to hit there either because he pretty much jumped ship and went back to Cleveland. <laughs> yep. In the, the launch angle stuff's interesting because like it didn't work for um, it didn't work for Jose Ramirez, right? But like I think I mentioned before, Fran Mel Reyes is someone where. Honestly, if he, I don't need him to go crazy with the launch ball, you know, like, you know, launch ball revolution, what do they want to call it? If he even went up a two degrees, he could, I mean, he, he's basically what you're thinking Pete Alonzo could be. He could hit 50 home runs. He just could. He's, he's a monster. Well, you were saying before on how like, you know, launch angle doesn't help everyone. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the hitter, right? Um, JD Martinez, obviously it turned him into a hall of fame caliber Superstar. bat, right? I mean, yeah. like, you know, as far as his peak. Um, Kyle or Corey Seager, uh, the guy who actually the hitting coach that turned JD Martinez around, he's the, the Dodgers hired him and he was working with Corey Seager last year. You see, he like set a career high in like, in like, a, uh, like RBIs, um, it, Justin it, Turner uh, also. Yeah. Justin Turner as well. So like a lot of people were down on Corey Seager with his batting average was down. I think he's a cerebral guy who was working on elevating the ball. I think we could be looking at a, uh, Freddie Freeman type turnaround from him where he maybe puts it all together. And instead of selling out average to get some power. I think that we could get the average and power together. So Seager someone I'm looking at. And on the other side, um, you were saying like, you know, launch angles for everyone. The, the thing I like more is kind of what the twins have done, uh, where instead of having over one increase their launch angle, they have just decided to plant their foot in the ground and, and sell out for pulling the ball, which is why they had like five people over 30 home runs mm-hmm. and like 10 of their guys in double digits as like a team, they decided they're going to pull the living crap out of the ball. And, uh, you know, and it worked really well for them. It's, uh, Jeff McNeil is another example. He batted like, you know, he was almost a batting champion in the first half. He decided to start pulling the ball more. He gave away a little bit of batting average, but got a lot more power. He's another guy though. I expect him to probably end up merging the two somehow a little bit of each but uh yeah it's two schools of thought uh but since the indians failed with jose ramirez it'll be interesting to see what they do with fran mel reyes so that's my long-winded way of saying let's see what happens because it'd be weird for them to 
tell Jose to stop doing it, but then encourage Fran Mill to do it. And uh, another guy in this lineup, too, that I was going to ask you about, Domingo Santana. I know last year, that first month of the season, he was the hottest hitter in baseball, led the league in home runs and RBIs, I believe, all the way till almost mid-May and May. They have him starting in left field, batting seventh on roster resource. Do you think he's going to get 500 at-bats and put a solid season together, maybe get back to what he did a couple years ago, 30 home runs, 85 RBIs? Yeah, he should have every opportunity to, right? They didn't really bring in the kind of competition that you were uh, thinking could scare anyone away. Uh, he hit the ball from 2017 when he when he was his big kind of breakout year. He actually hit the ball harder last year. Um, he pulled the ball more last year. He actually had less ground balls last year. He hit the ball in the air more. And his fly, home run to fly ball ratio was 30.9 in 2017. It was only 23.6. Uh, again, last season. So uh, there could be an untapped potential even higher than he did. But anyone that was thinking that he was lucky in 2017, and that was a huge thing and how you know that was going to come back to the mean. Uh, and he wasn't the guy you saw. Um, the two previous years before 2017, he was his home run to fly ball was 27.5, 27.6. Again, last year, only 23.6. So I, I definitely believe uh, in Domingo Santana, which is another one of the reasons why I was saying that uh, I expect him to do well. So if the Mercado's not at the top, he's probably going to be at the very bottom because they have a really talented middle middle of this uh, Cleveland lineup. So yeah, as far as value, Santana's probably one of the probably the best value on the team, right? Because he's, he's going for practically free, at least in 12 team leagues, even in 15 team leagues, he's not kind of getting the respect he wants and just, yeah, every, and you know, it's nothing fluky last year. His, uh, his, his plate discipline got better. He wasn't chasing as much as he did in his, uh, you know, when he fell off in 2018, just everything you liked in 2017, he kind of was duplicating, if not doing a little better last year. Yeah. I know in that first month he was actually a free agent, one of our leagues, and uh, I picked him up, and when he started off like that, I was like, oh, my goodness, I might have gotten the best steal of all time right here. <laughs> but, but Zach, uh, what do you think of Domingo Santana and if he can put it all together? Yeah, I'm not super op- optimistic if he's going to put it all together. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to see that first half from him again. I think one of the weak points on this team is this team's outfield. Um, obviously we were talking about Mercado a little bit before and he's got, he's got, he's oozing with potential, but uh, I expect there to be, um, maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump this year. Just the on-base skills are not there. And like we said, I I just don't know if he's going to stick at the top of this lineup. And if he's in the bottom third of this lineup, just not as much fantasy value there for sure. And, uh, right now, what do we got right now? Mercado is going about like one in the 150 ADP range. Uh, I think people are kind of reaching for him, just kind of mm-hmm. banking on those stolen bases from him. And other than the stolen bases, I think it could be a long season for Mercado. And I think if Santana kind of duplicates that second half, I mean, I think this team is going to be looking for outfield help. They do have they do have some bench guys and Jordan Luplo who mashes lefties. So I could see maybe like a platoon situation if Mercado. I mean, Mercado. You got Mercado and Santana. Uh, I don't. I don't have the splits right in front of me in terms of lefties, but I mean, you're definitely going to see Luplo get in, get a ton of at bats in there um, against left-handed pitching. So Luplo, and they do have some other young guys as well in the outfield. Um, a guy that I, 
I was really high on last a uh, couple seasons ago was Bradley Zimmer when he was actually healthy, just a phenomenal defensive center fielder. The, for, the forgotten Bradley Zimmer. Oh, I was dude. I was pumped. I was pumped about him too. By the way, Domingo Santana um, actually does have first career. He actually has even uh, splits. He hits uh, 260 versus righties, uh, 257 versus lefties. Yeah, I, I know that Jordan Luplo just mashes lefty, so I could see some type of platoon between those two. Um, but two other guys, I mean, Jake Bowers and Bradley Zimmer, are guy, two young guys that seem to have bright futures in this organization. And if we do see some struggles from Mercado or Santana, or even right now Greg Allen is slotted in as the right fielder, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this team gives any of these other guys an opportunity. And like we said, I mean, Lindor possibly on the block, they could look for a big outfield piece in return to fill that void. Uh, this team for the past few years, they've really been searching for outfield help. So we'll see what they do to address that situation. But I'm not I'm not a huge believer in Santana. I think he's more of the second half player than the first half player that we saw. Maybe not as severe as some of the, the dip in stats that he took in the second half. But I'm just not sure he's going to be that full-time player that we saw in the first half. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't go out and get Yasiel Puig. They got rid of one of their personalities in Trevor Bauer. I thought they'd be able to handle Puig's, but he's with the Giants now. I don't understand why they didn't go after him. But one guy, too, Frankie Lindor. Do you think he makes it the whole season with the Indians if they are playoff-bound and are looking to get there? I don't even know what the deal is. There even a trade deadline? I don't even. I don't oh even yeah, yeah, it is true. It's all up in the yeah, air. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I would assume at this point they're, especially in a shortened season with their offensive talent, and they have the, uh, and they have the, uh, you know, the top three. If they're healthy, you know, Bieber, uh, Clevenger, Carrasco, they can, you know, even the young guys we said Savali, they can go for the throat um, if uh, if they get off to a good start. So I would assume. They're probably going to keep everything together, but uh, yeah, I mean, anything else would be a complete guess. If it, if this was a normal year, yeah, I'd say Lindor would probably be on his pack and his bags, because I know you, uh, I know Zach, you were saying that uh, their only real threat is the Twins. I think the White Sox are um, are pretty good too. I know people are probably hyping them up a little much. If they have to play in Arizona, by the way, I'm I'm very afraid of them. Obviously, uh, Reynaldo Lopez likes to put the ball in the air, and uh, I'm already off of him. But Giolito, their ace, also loves to put the ball in the air. I'm not too excited about him pitching in Arizona full-time. Hopefully, he doesn't have to do that. But yeah, the Indians are going to have they're going to need a lot of things to go right for them to make a legitimate run. But in a shortened season, anything can happen, you know? Um, you know, all you all you need to do is a hot streak. I mean, the Mets last year, would they win like 18 of 19? If uh, the second half only existed, the Mets probably would have won the division going away. Uh, so, you know, it, I'm only using that as an example because that was probably the biggest streak from last year. Yeah, I would think a lot of teams are going to try to just put their foot on the gas uh, for the most part, except for, you know, teams like the Orioles, who will probably bring up no prospects due to the uh, service time issues. But, you know, anyway, again, long story long, I think Lindor is a uh, Indian this year. Okay, Zach, what do you think happens with Lindor? I know you thought he could possibly get traded to the Reds. Yeah, I mean, the Reds had the pieces to, to make that deal, but... I'm in the same boat here as Matt. I mean, I, it, we're just in such a weird state of limbo right now with baseball that I think it's going to be hard to see a superstar player moved midseason like this. I do think Lindor, if if he does get moved at all, I think it's most likely at the end of the season. Everything has kind of calmed down from this whole situation. Hopefully winter meetings are back. I, I could just see something happening more at that time. But yeah, I mean, in a shortened season, why not go for it? You know, I mean, this team, 
could definitely make a push. Um, if they start strong, they could definitely make a push for the playoffs. So I don't think they would move him midseason. I think, if anything, they would wait till the end of the season and get um, get a heck of a haul in return for him. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the rotation now. I know there's not many guys that I know that have Bieber fever quite like Jordan, who's, who has the night off. But do you think uh, Shane Bieber can repeat his, repeat his season last year? I do. I mean, he was like K K minus walk was top five in baseball. K percentage was still in the 86th percentile walk percentage 95th. That's kind of all you need to know. Everything else from there falls there is his O swing, swing and strike percentage, F strike percentage. It's all great. Uh, the big issue with him is obviously he gets hit really hard and that's due to his terrible fastball. Uh, 42.6% hard contact exit velocity against 90.4 and his stack cast hard hit was 43.1 all brutal. Um, in that, you know, a 231 people only batted 231 against his four seamer, which is good because he has masterful control and can kind of puts it where he wants to. And he relies on his other pitches to to keep you off course, but still a 208 ISO versus that four seamer that he throws 45.7% of the time. Sliders, great, only 26%. K curve, um, 20%. Changeup throws about 7% of the time. You know, if if his if his uh he's one of those guys where if his control isn't on, he's gonna get lit up. So those games are gonna happen. Maybe in a short season, they'll hurt a little more, especially in weekly leagues. But uh overall, I would say his command is just on point. Um he's smart enough too, where I think he knows his fastball is bad. He'll he'll spot it where he needs to. A guy like him and also like a guy like Sonny Gray is another example, a guy who gets his fastball murdered. He started bringing that back and putting his sink and using his sinker more. I think the same thing with Bieber. I think he'll change up his pitch mix enough so that won't, it won't allow him to hurt. Uh, it'll, we won't allow his four seamer to hurt him enough. He can't let it go away because he needs to place it in order to let the other pitches shine. But yeah, I am kind of in on Bieber. I am not. I have zero shares because I feel people are overdrafting him, um, especially in a shortened season. I'll, you know, a lot of the guys with, you know, the, a lot of people talked about it. Now, a lot of the guys with innings limits and just the, the, the pack is just really tight now. And, uh, you know, you can't tell me there's like a huge difference between uh, a, a lot of, a lot of pitchers at this point. So I do think he can repeat it. You know, it's, it's not enough for me to grab him where he's been going in drafts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, do you got the Bieber fever? I got the Bieber fever. I don't know if it's Shane Bieber, though. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm i a believer in Bieber. Um, I just don't know if I... I would probably ha- I have him in my top 10 ranks. I just don't think I have him uh, as like a top five pitcher yet. I would like to see that replicated, the performance last year replicated this year. But yeah, I mean, this is just like a different type of pitcher than um, your Garrett Coles and uh, your Max Scherzer. I mean, he's this guy relies on his pinpoint control, his um, fantastic walk percentage. But yeah, he, he does get hit hard. I mean, if some of these scenarios like uh, like Arizona, if that happens, like, yeah, I'm a little concerned about um about Bieber out there getting lit up so I'm 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 curious to see how he does this year I think he's gonna be just fine I think he's going to be close to the pitcher that we saw last year but uh yeah it's good to see pitchers like this more like control artists more like a Greg Maddox type rather than just these flamethrowers who throw triple digits it's not it's not all about velocity right now in this game and it, it it's good to see guys like this who have pinpoint control succeeding right now 
And, and I should say, when I said that I, I hope he changes pitch mix, this isn't something out of the blue either, because I know earlier I was saying there's guys like Jose Ramirez and Andrew Benintendi where you're making guesses on how you want them to get better. From the first half to the second half last year, uh, his four-seamer, he did decrease the usage from 64 to 56 while increasing slider to 16 to 22, curveball from 12 to 17. So he made uh, changes, and he he noticed that the fastball was hurting him. It, it definitely stands to reason that not only could he repeat last year, he could get better if he's because he looks like he's maximizing his strengths and limiting his flaws. So it's uh, it's definitely in the realm of possibility that um, last year was not even the peak of what he's capable of doing. It's great seeing this pitching staff. I mean, this this team knows how to develop pitching. Uh, we've seen what they did with Kluber over the years. Uh, I mean, Bieber could be the next Kluber. And if that's the case, I mean, this is a guy you want shares of in Dynasty as much as possible. Uh, but this team knows what they're doing. So I, I would buy into Bieber this year for sure. Yeah, that's one thing, too, that I feel like is a lot underappreciated just with pitchers overall. If a guy's smart enough to figure out what's working and what's not working and not being stubborn, just throwing the same thing over and over again. And an example for me would be Felix Hernandez. I know he has a ton of innings on his arm. But I feel like where he got ruined in his career, as he was stubborn, he could he kept pitching the same thing and he wouldn't change it up. And I, I just appreciate when guys are willing to mix it up. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, not to, it's it's hard to do sometimes. I I know it brought up Sonny Gray, um, but it, he's an interesting case, right? Because he had a really great start in Oakland. Uh, he got uh, traded out to New York. Got just was brutal. And the the most interesting thing about his turnaround for the Reds for me is. People forget the Reds traded for him while he was pitching horribly and then signed him to an extension before he even threw a pitch for them uh, because they thought they knew that the Yankees were not utilizing him properly. They thought his pitch mix was um, was was being handled poorly in New York, and they were very confident in their plan. They had their data, and it's exactly what happened. They, they had him throw his four-seamer less. They had him mix in his sinker. Um, and they had him just throw an, uh, a career high uh, on his breaking pitches, which that's all he did is breaking pitches, breaking pitches. So it's becoming more of a thing now. I know launch angle is more uh, of a deal um, for, for baseball. It's trendy, but like, uh, yeah, pitch mix. It seems to be like a, kind of the, the 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 new thing now where everyone uh, is, is getting into, the, I don't want to say old school Greg Maddox thing because he was more about changing eye levels and like, you know, setting the strike zone and getting the umpire to continue to go east to west on you. But yeah, they, they seem to be more, um, I, I appreciate the, the teams that are going more cerebral in the approach and, uh, Shane Bieber's just definitely at, at the tip of, uh, you know, the iceberg of, of people that are uh, doing that. Another guy in that rotation, he got injured and scared a lot of people drafting wise, but guys that did take him early, earlier before he got injured, might get rewarded here, taking them where they did if they have a shortened season. Is he ready to go? Have you seen any updates on him? Are talking about Michael? Michael Clevenger? Yep. yep. Yeah, yes. Um, I drafted him like a week later. All these people that are like, oh, you got uh, people are getting lucky drafting Clevenger. I drafted him in like the third round of, uh, of um, I think, Rasball in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational because he, he, he hurt his knee. And uh, it had nothing to do with his arm. And even though it was on his plant leg, I was willing to take the discount because 
I swear, I, I I think this guy's better than Walker Bueller if he's healthy. Uh, Walker Bueller, again, great. He'll be consistent. If you had to bank on one of them, put money on who's going to have a better year, you put it on Bueller. If you needed to put money on who's going to win a Cy Young award, I think you put it on Mike Clevenger. 126 innings. He had over 12K per nine. He just, he was like literally cream of the crop of, of Major League Baseball. 271 ERA. 249 field independent pitching, 309 XFIP. He just, everything was working for this guy. And like I said, I mean, I already said I had him above Bueller, which pretty much puts him at a borderline first round pitcher. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that uh, he is definitely the real deal and everything, you know, everything is, is pointing the, uh, the right direction. Nothing was fluky about what he did. The only, the only concern is he only did it over that small, uh, you know, smaller sample size of 126 innings. Uh, he did pitch. Um, he did pitch 200 innings the year before to a 3.02 ERA. Um, not at the level he did last year, but again, all the improvements he made are backed up by changes he made. So uh, everything you saw was completely legit. And especially for 2020, when we know it's definitely going to be a shortened season, like freaking all systems go, uh, he can kind of air it out and let it fly. So yeah, 2020, I'm not sure where I lie. I mean, I think I like him more than Verlander. I think I like him more than Scherzer just because Scherzer had the back issue. Uh, uh, Verlander had the groin issue. Those things bother me a heck of a lot more than this knee. I'm not saying he's going to be better and I'm not saying I'm drafting him ahead of them. Uh, but as far as like, I'm perfectly, perfectly happy with Clevenger being my ace this year for fantasy. Yeah, let the hair flow. Uh, Zach, do you think <laughs> Clevenger's going to put it together and build off what he did last year? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this layoff right now, it helps players like Clevenger, Verlander, Scherzer. I mean, guys who have been a little bit banged up. Uh, this break really helps them and it helps their fantasy value tremendously. Before this knee injury... I had Clevenger ranked ahead of Beaver. So that's that's where I am with him. I just think I think so highly of Clevenger. He's got filthy stuff. And he he's really he's not I wouldn't call him injury prone. I mean, like like Matt said, he he has two, a two hundred inning season, which a lot of these young kids they do not have yet. I mean, he can throw two hundred innings, he can go the distance, but he just he's got those herky jerky mechanics. Um, he needs to kind of get that in check. I don't know if the mechanics are the reason why his knee flared up with the meniscus, but um, I mean, if he can get that situated and uh, just kind of control control all those moving parts in his motion. I, I think you're looking at a top five pitcher here. I think I think Clevenger really, if he can stay healthy, I think he is the ace of the staff as opposed to Bieber. I mean, it's it's really like a 1A, 1B type situation. But I am all in on Clevenger this year if he can uh, get back at full health. I mean, once Justin Verlander chills out and gets older and, and stops being as good as he is, Mike Clevenger could potentially take over that role of being the best pitcher in the AL. Uh, with the rest of this rotation at the four and five spots, I know I got on roster resource, they have the Jeffrey Rodriguez and Adam Plutko, and I know they sent Aaron Saval to AAA, but that was just a move for service time. Who do you have at the four and five spot in this rotation? Savali is definitely in, like you said, that is definitely for, um, that, that is definitely for the, uh, for service time purposes. People didn't know how that was going to go. And people made preemptive moves like, uh, Karinchak was, was sent down. He'll be back. <laughs> he'll probably be closing. If there's a, if there's a trade deadline, he's your closer. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll probably, you know, if, after they trade Brad hand, if that, you know, if there's a trade deadline, but, uh, yeah, I think Pluko and Savale will be, uh, the four and five right after Carrasco. Okay. Zach, who do you got? See, I can see them using Plucko more as a uh, 
a middle to long reliever type guy. And I think Zach Plesak is going to be your your number Mm -hmm. five guy. Plesak looked great last year. And yeah, I mean, same situation um, as Savale. I mean, he got sent down, but it's more just for a a service time manipulation here. But Zach Plesak Plesak had a a great stretch last year. Once again, he's kind of more along the lines of a a Bieber type rather than a Clevenger type. Uh, More rely on his pinpoint control rather than high velocity stuff. But he um, he looked great last year. I think he's for sure going to be the guy. Um, I mean, his, his splits last year. I mean, he had a mid three ERA pre and post All Star uh, three eight on both sides. So I mean, he he was productive and he was very efficient and um, just doesn't walk a ton of batters. Um, he's just got great overall stuff. And I could definitely see Plucko being more of a bullpen type guy, maybe making some spot starts here and there. But I think Plesak is going to be the guy at the back end of that rotation. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Zach. Plesak and then Plutko to fill in whenever they need him, but he could work in long, long relief as well. I'm moving digging deep in the farm system. Matt, who is your favorite prospect that these guys have? I mean, probably got to be Nolan Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I they they do have some uh, they do have a, f- a few interesting guys. I like George Valera quite a bit, Tyler Freeman, but yeah, I, I would I would have to say if I had to pick one, it would be uh, Nolan Jones, third base. You know, they're going to have an opening there sooner or later, and yeah, he looks like someone that uh, he looks like someone that has like you know obvious power. I mean, I mean, I just about like, you know, I think 70 grade power. So, you know, we'll see how his back comes along. He's, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, in the, in a ball, he, he's hitting around 298, 286. He got brought up to double a, uh, that got bounced down to 253. So this'll be a big year. Well, maybe, you know, whatever they, I know they, they canceled and then uncanceled the minors. I would have loved to see uh, how he developed along, but, uh, he he definitely uh, is the most interesting because the power is is very legit. It's just a matter of if he can, if he can you know produce uh, a, a kind of little higher batting average and if he can like uh, once he sees more advanced pitching if he can kind of hold on to that because he he's an on base machine as well. I I mean I did say he had a two fifty three batting average three seventy on base. I mean carried a four thirty five and a four thirty eight in a ball. So um, you know he even though he struggled a little bit. Uh, coming up to double a the uh, the uh, the uh, you know the plate discipline was still there so i have all the confidence in the world in uh in nolan jones so he's definitely the guy i'm looking forward to in the future in cleveland okay yeah zach who's your guy yeah, those are all good names there. I mean, Tyler Freeman is the one name to watch uh, just because uh, we've talked about this Frankie Lindor situation. It seems like he could be the heir apparent over there at shortstop. Uh, but a more deeper guy that I'm, I've been watching is a guy named Alex Free Planez. Um, he's kind of an unknown right now. He's at the bottom of this team's top 30. But um, this kid's an 18-year-old with tremendous raw power. And he um, he's going to climb up this this top 30 ranking this this coming season. He had a a tough break last year. Uh, no pun intended. He broke his handmate bone, uh, so uh, that just kind of sucked out his power. And it's just kind of a little bit of a lost season. Uh, we've seen players like Justin Turner, Matt Olson, get hit with the uh, with the handmate bone injury, and it really just kind of hurt them. I think they were out for maybe a couple of months, so that kind of hurt his season last year. But fully healthy now. And expect this guy um, to just make huge strides. And this guy could become a top 100 prospect in the next year or two. I mean, he's he's young, uh, still a very raw player, but with a few years of experience, I mean, 
this guy could be like three or four years away, but this guy could be a tremendous talent in the coming years. Okay, yeah. Uh, the one guy I got is Bo Naylor. I think he's going to be in the wave of these next elite catching prospects with Joey Bart and Rushman. He's got plenty of power, great size, and, I mean, he has good contact skills as well. I think he's going to be the – He can, I think he could get playing time this year if Roberto Perez isn't doing what he's supposed to, but Roberto Perez had a career season last year. My last question would be for you, Matt. Would Do you think the Indians can compete with the Twins to win this AL Central? Oh, for sure. Uh, the Twins obviously have a ridiculous lineup. I mean, it's scary. They add Josh Donaldson, so they get to move over Sano to first base. Uh, everyone in that lineup is 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 legitimate. I mean, you put Luis Arias uh, at the top; he could lead the league and uh, he could ha- have a batting title. Maybe lead the league in runs scored. Uh, that being said, they uh, their pitching staff <laughs> is uh, Jose Barrios, who we're just waiting. We keep waiting. You mm-hmm. know, is is he going to make that next step? I'm not necessarily sure. I think he kind of is what he is. I think on a good team, he probably is a number three. Uh, I'm, I'm talking a good team, though. I'm not talking about every team, but I, I don't think I just don't think he's the ace that they need him to be. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, he's he's fine, but also on a good team, he's he's a four. Uh, Kenta Maeda, I like. Um, so they you know they basically have three you know three threes three you know that are a little you know maybe three pluses, a uh, couple of you know and then yeah Homer Bailey and Jalisha seen. So I mean there is your way in. They have nothing but five righties that can't necessarily dominate you maybe jose barrios takes that next step so you know uh the indians have a very talented lineup of their own not on the level of the twins but you know they can you know they certainly can hold their own so you know in a you know in a in a series against each other i actually would probably lean uh cleveland even if it's today because they have three pitchers that can kind of shut you down we'll see how carrasco um you know progresses uh, to see if he can get back to where he was. But if nothing else, they have maybe the best tandem duo at the top of the rotation in baseball, arguably, right? I mean, not too many people are bringing it like those two are at the very top right now, um, if they're at their best between Bieber and um, and uh, and Clevenger. So, yeah, I definitely think that they can hang with the Twins because, yeah, even though that lineup is scary, you know, their their pitching staff is still left to be desired. Uh, you know, at least they did get Maeda after that whole crazy trade fell apart. Uh, they did end up getting Maeda, um, getting their guy. But, um, yeah, they the Twins are fine, and they're going to be super dangerous. But, you know, you can never claim them the champion uh, going away when they have such a glaring hole. Yeah, I was really hoping they were going to go after and get Mad Bum last year. Not not just because he's a good pitcher, but the playoff experience. Because the Twins have, they couldn't get past the Yankees. They couldn't get past the Yankees in 2017, the wild card game. And I think that had to do with not having experience mm-hmm. in the rotation and the bullpen as well. But I'm hoping too by a trade deadline they can maybe go out and get a Matthew Boyd, get a left hander in there that can strike out some bats. But do you have any other questions, Zach, this evening for Matt? I was I was on mute. <laughs> I was praising Matt. I was giving him some nice words, and nobody heard it. God damn it! All right, let's start over here. 
<laughs> all right, sweet. All right. Uh, Hold on. So um, what I was saying was for, for everybody listening out there, um, great stuff for Matt tonight. Definitely be sure to check out, if you haven't already, check out his Twitter. He does a great player breakdown series, um, evaluating hitters and pitchers and going really in-depth, kind of like he was doing tonight. And it's great stuff. Um, so definitely be sure to check Matt out on Twitter. I'm not going to say his Twitter handle because I really don't know how the heck to pronounce it. It's it's weird with numbers and letters and stuff. So I'll let Matt do that at the end. But, um, but yeah, Matt, great stuff. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, you're you're one of the best out there. So thanks. Yeah, thank you as well. For analytic wise, I agree with that. You're one of the best. It's good to have. We don't have many analytic guys on the show. We have a lot of just general baseball guys, but we really appreciate the numbers part of the game and what you do for the industry. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I love talking about baseball. It's literally fun at all times, unless we're (laughs) unless we're talking about the Yankees. That's boring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so if you want if you want to give everyone your twitter handle quick and where they can find you and we'll let you go i know zach says it's hard to pronounce it's 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 just my name but it might have a boring name it's it's just matt williams except instead of the sevens or instead of the l's it's sevens because you know i'm not the only matt williams in the universe believe it or not uh so instead of going with matt williams like 1542 1786 or something crazy on the end i just went with m-a-t-t W-I-7-7 I-A-M-S. It looks cool and uh it's 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 easier than typing out all the other stuff. So yeah, my Twitter handle is just my name, Matt Williams, but uh toss in sevens instead of the L's, and uh, that's where you can find me. It's better that you explained it than I did. You did it much better. And no, I'm not Matt Williams, the former third baseman uh <laughs> for the Giants slash horrible manager of the Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you again, Matt. You have a wonderful evening. Thanks, you too, guys.